Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. So Jesus in a bottle, what we're on this week is, is this, time and the long view of God. Time, yeah, you know, I, I am a, I'm a simple man, not too bright. I like objects. They help me remember things. So this will come into play, as you know. This will identify what I want you to think about when you look at this. I want you to look at this in the context of your life. Because essentially, this is your life right here. This, it's, what's so fast? In the, in the, in the grass, in the, in, a, in the grand scheme of eternity, this is fast. You're right. By the time I get done speaking in, in the next couple minutes, this will be done. But I, I want to take you somewhere with, in, in regards to time and the long view that God has as opposed to how we look at life. Jesus in the bottle versus God's view on eternity and time. And the difference between the two. Let me pray as, as we get going. Father, I thank you for this, uh, this evening, Lord. I pray that you would speak to us. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord, as we talk about this so important, this subject of time, Father, and eternity. And Lord, uh, that you would fill this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Our disdain, people's disdain for waiting, you know, that, that people in general have this difficulty in waiting. From when we're little kids, you know, ripping into the, the Christmas presents. In fact, my cousins and I used to stay up when the parents would to bed. We would unwrap the presents and look to see what we got and then retape them up and put them back under. We have this problem with waiting. Patience. And this disdain for waiting and suffering isn't just a product of the microwave era or the iPhone era. I mean, I remember also when I was in, gosh, it would have been 78 or 79, when my dad came home with the microwave. Does anybody remember when their parent came home with a microwave? It was crazy. When we put eggs in there and all that stuff, it was like the world is changing. And then some 10 years ago, was it, oh, six, the iPhone comes out. And everything starts to change. But here's the thing. Human expression throughout history has been riddled with this problem of patience and time. It's heightened now, but it's always been a problem. And this Jesus in the bottle is the condition that we have. This is I have to have it right now and I have to have it my way. And this ungodly spirit, because that's what it is, it's an ungodly spirit that slowly has seeped into our churches, has seeped into our preaching. And over the past several decades, this subtle teaching of Jesus in a bottle has slipped into the church. And it manifests in this way. As a church, we have said things like, God doesn't want you to suffer. God doesn't want... Now think about that statement. God doesn't want you to suffer. He wants you happy. He wants you smiling. And I'm a pastor. I am not smiling. In fact, I've been pretty frustrated. Look, I look at, 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 at so many people. Oh, we're able to turn it back on? 
Okay. Can I still yell at people? No. Can't as yell if anymore. that would stop you. That would, is that is it back? Can you hear it? Yes. Beautiful. Uh, we say things that God doesn't want us to suffer, yet he, his son sat on the cross and suffered for us. We say things like this. If you just had enough faith, that wouldn't have happened. Fill in the blank of whatever that was. If you had just had, had just a little more faith, that would have never happened in your life. And it's a subtle preach that has slipped in that allows the church to just rub the bottle of Jesus if I just pray a little harder. God wants you to live your best life now. We write books about that. I don't want to live my best life now. If this is my best life now, forget it. Not that I have a bad life. I am married to a wonderful woman. <laughs> I say. Pull back on the one, right? Is that a good recovery? That's I say. <laughs> this isn't our best life now. It can't be. It absolutely can't be. If you give, God will bless you beyond your belief. If you will come up today and you will tithe in the basket and you'll round up all of your money and you'll put it right in there, I'm telling you, I will send you a prayer cloth and everything will be better. <laughs> Late night TV. If you pray harder, gosh, if you're just on your knees, just a little longer. If you just get on your knees a little longer, then the, the bottle would open and, and Jesus would come out and he'd answer your prayers. But you got no faith. And, and I, I was a part of a ministry for years that these are the, the were, gosh, I, I'd be overstating if I said the foundations of what they believed. But this is what came through when they preached. And suddenly in the church, we see this today. It's this... If you do this, it'll all be better and fixed. And we've shipwrecked a generation or generations of seekers, of people that are looking for God and their faith. I read this article or an article by Daniel Burke and CNA religious editor and it said this, it's not just millennials leaving the church, whether married or single, rich or poor, young or old, living in the West or the Bible Belt, almost every demographic group has seen a significant drop in people who call themselves Christians. There's a significant drop of people that attend church. And one of the reasons, and the reason that we see is this, we have sold people a false set of goods. We've sold them Jesus in a bottle. We've sold them the false gospel and we've sold them a false Jesus. We've sold them a gospel that has nothing to do with pain and suffering. And if you're in pain or in suffering, it can't be God. You must be in sin. We've sold them this false Jesus that says he'll meet my every need when I call on him. And it is true he will meet my every need, but it's not the way that we preach it. And I'm generalizing. There's a lot of great preachers that don't preach this gospel. But we've sold people something. And here's what happens when we sell this gospel, this Jesus in a bottle gospel. And, 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 and they come down and they pay their tithes and they get on their faces and they pray and they read their Bibles. And it doesn't happen for them the way that they think it should. And they become shipwrecked in their face. And all of a sudden they think, God has let me down and it's not true and he doesn't like me. And I don't want to be a part of a God like that. And they walk away. As opposed to what Jesus really said, which was this. I'll be with you. Good. I'll be with you. See, if Jesus is Jesus, if 
God is God, and he's omniscient and omnipotent and all power, all these things, is it enough that he is with me? Can it be enough to get through whatever I need to get through? Is he all sufficient? Can he bring peace in the midst of the storm? That's right. Can he sustain me in the midst of my darkest hours? Or does he need to do what I tell him to do? Let's look at God's relationship to time because that just sets a foundation for what I'm talking about today. See, God dwells, uh, dwells in a different dimension. He's in the spirit realm. He's a completely different... He, he, he transcends time. God created time. He transcends. In fact, Psalm 90, verse 4 says this, A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Psalm 102, But you, O Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You know, scientists and, and, and Christians and, and, and atheists and all these people are, you know, wrestle through these, you know, the, the world is, you know, 10 billion years old or 100 million or whatever, I don't know how many years did they say. Billions of years old. And the church goes, no, it's not this. And it's like, wait a second. If this scripture is true and God is outside of time and he speaks and it says that literally he speaks and things come to be. What? How can we put time around anything? Why would you argue that argument with anybody? Yeah. Why would we do it? God in time. How does God use time? How does God use He's outside of time. How does he use it? Romans 2, 4 says this. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? The kindness of God leads us to repentance. His patience, his forbearance. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow with keeping his promise. My mother prayed for my father for 15 years on her knees, on her face every single day because Jim was a, a complete sinner crazy man. 15 years. You want to talk about patience? Some of you have cried out for children, for your children, for 10, 15, 20 years. Some of you cried out for a loved one for 10, 15, 20 years. But God is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. To each one of us to come to repentance. Let's look at God's mercy in time. It says this in Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things will pass away. And God is speaking to the end of this time, this epoch of time, and stepping back into eternity. What does that mean? He is eternal. There's no beginning, no end. It is forever. But there's this place called time that we live in. And what he's saying here in Revelation 21 is we'll no longer be contained in this time, stepping out of that. And with that, there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more mourning. The way that he meant it to be. He speaks to the end of time and stepping back into eternity. God's mercy and time. Time was God's gift in the garden. Time was God's gift in the garden. It's the gift of mercy. You know why? Because man fell in the garden. 
It says this in Genesis 3.24. I think we've talked about this before, but it says this. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden a cherubim, which is an angel, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. The tree of life meant eternity. The tree of life was, was, was meant to, you were to live forever. God says, no, 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 no. Here's God's mercy. Can you imagine living the life you're living now? Forever. <laughs> Does anybody here want to live in the pain, suffering, and difficulties that they live in now for an eternity? God's mercy is this. Look, I love you too much to leave you in this. I've got something so much greater for you. The hope of something so much greater. And some of us are sitting in it right now. And some of us are, are wrestling with it right now. The pain and the agony of life. Some of us are like, hey, things are great. I don't have any pain. But wait, time is coming. It will come. And some of us are sitting in it. And you have the hope. The hope that is this. That it's not forever. God in his ultimate mercy said, no, 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 no. You won't step back into that garden. In fact, it's not until Revelation 21.4 that we just talked about. Where he wipes away every tear. And there's no more crying. No more pain. No more mourning. And at that point, there's no more sin. It's good. Everything has changed. God's mercy in time is that he allows us. To die in the natural. Right. Amen. The long view of God. One of the hardest things to wrestle with. See, because God is infinite. And he sees beginning to end. And you and I, we see this. And we don't even see this. If this represents our life, we see a bit of this. But it says this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made absolutely everything beautiful on time. He has also set eternity to the hearts or human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. That's true. Let me give you a picture of what this looks like. Again, simple. I need pictures. Cartoons <laughs> usually, but I'm going with this. There's, a, there's two views, an eternal and a time view. Eternity, if you imagine those lines, the two ends, go on forever. They don't stop. They just, they just keep going. And then there's time, which is regulated. It's caught in this space-time continuum. It's, it's boxed in. We can, we can touch it. Eternity you cannot touch. Two different views. The eternal long view, what is it? It's your life in eternity. It's this, that if that line just goes forever, it's your life that's placed right in some space of eternity. This moment, this, 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 do you not know tomorrow will bring you what is, is your life? You are, uh, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It's just this, it comes, it goes, it's over. Mm -hmm. Some of us have lost loved ones. We've had this conversation, and it's like, where'd it go? Where'd it go? My grandmother passed away. I mean, 89 years, Grandma Blue this year. And it's like, gosh, where'd it go? We are placed in this space of eternity. Time, what is it? Time is this. Zero to 100, I'm just giving a range. It's this. It's an amount of years that you live. We can flip it up. Flip it down. It's that zero to whatever it, it ends up being for your life. 
It says this in James, yet, do, uh, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It's gone. So what happens when we preach Jesus in the bottle? It takes the totality of time and focuses everything on this, on me. The church, unfortunately, has gotten to this point when we preach this gospel. The Jesus in the bottle, the bottle gospel puts me in the middle of the universe. It says I am the, right in the middle of the universe and everything matters around me, which is hopelessness, which is depression, which is why we see a rampant suicide among our kids and others. Because the world does not revolve around us. God says in, Jan or in February 19th, 1966, I'm going to place John Blue in the midst of time. And it'll last this long. Who knows? Only him. This Jesus in the bottle says everything outside of me is irrelevant. Everything points to me. I deserve. It's this attitude of, I deserve. And I've had this conversation with a really good friend of mine who uh, I led to the Lord and disciple. And he's like, dude, we were talking and he's like, you're a pastor. How come your life sucks so bad? He's like, it doesn't make sense. He's like, in the last, you know, uh, gosh, in the last six years, we've just seen a lot of craziness. We lost the house. We lost the church. We feel like we're losing a child who's struggling. We lose, we've lost friends. We've lost, you know, all these things. And, and he's sitting there and he's like, man, I, why do I want to be a Christian if, if, if you know, you're the pastor and, and your life sucks? I said, you're completely missing. The world doesn't revolve around me. Yeah. Why do I deserve something greater than anybody that's here that's not a pastor? I don't. Why? Because I pray more? It's rubbing the bottle. Why? Because I, I read my, try to read my Bible every day. Notice I said try. It's rubbing the bottle. Why? Because I, I sit up here and preach and I've, I've given up things to be this pastor. I'm going to rub the bottle and God should take care of me because I've done all those things. It's the same mindset that we preach to people. And people said, why won't God heal me? Or why won't God give me money? Or why won't God give me this or this? And we've completely missed the totality of time and who God is. Good. My pain and my suffering and my hardships. Jesus, you need to make it right. And we preach this false gospel. And then when it's not right the way we think it should be right, we walk away from God. We get mad at God. It's because as pastors, we haven't preached a true gospel many times. See, because he, here's the, the, the gospel. Eternity keeps going, and, and I, I'm just, I'm right here. This scripture, Ecclesiastes, says this. He has made, it sets everything into order. It says, he has made God. It, 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 it very clearly says who God is. He has made. God is creator. Everything beautiful in its time. Look, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you struggle with. I don't know where you're at in life. But I know this. When you have the long view of life, at the very least, maybe not in this world, but in the next world, hope comes. That's right. Hope comes. Everything beautiful in its time. 
Look, my, my prayer, my wife's prayer for my son is, is that, gosh, that God will take this and, and that, that this, this young man will respond and, 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 and he'll get it and, and he'll humble himself. And on this earth, he will turn his life and it'll be a testimony to all and, 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 and God will, will do magnificent things in his life. I know this, that this young man had an encounter with God and he knows Jesus. And I know that someday, and it may not be here, but there, he will walk in hope of who Jesus is. Right. Everything beautiful in his time. I don't understand God's timing. He has set eternity in the hearts of men. Hope. He has placed into each one of us this hope that there's something more. Hope that there's something greater. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I, I love this because the, the second half of Ecclesiastes sits in both time and eternity. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Speaking to what I just said about my son. I don't know if it's going to be restored here. It may be restored over here into eternity. I don't know if God's going to give you what you're hoping and wanting here. It may be restored over here in eternity. I don't know if you're going to be healed or not. It may be restored over here in eternity. But I know this. When I know Jesus, when I'm in a relationship with Christ Jesus, I have hope in him and it's eternal not in the context of this 10 20 40 70 years that's right and the world places everything here all everything they do the way they spend their money their relationships placed in this little thing called 70 60 30 50 years Time goes beyond into a place you, you can't even imagine. And, and think about the absolute foolishness of putting it all right here when everything goes into eternity. Think about those who reject you. Oh, that God! I don't want. I don't want God to ruin my fun. It's that short view. The natural and the spiritual is this. My kids have a short view of life. I have a short view. It's all of us on some level. But kids have a very short view on life. You know, they, they don't understand that, that you save. You, you, you don't eat ice cream at 11 at night. You don't stuff candy. And, you know, you, all those things. They have this view. It's just sitting right here. They don't understand the long view. That's the natural and the spiritual. As Christian, immature Christians, what happens so, so often if we don't preach the gospel, the true gospel, we have a group of Christians that don't understand the long view. All they see is right in front of them, and all they can do is rub the bottle and, and, and ask God to meet their need as they think the need needs to be met. Yeah. It's not Jesus. The gospel in God's view, whether it be marriage, children, health, money, addictions, it's beginning to end. It's having that long view of hope that is in Christ Jesus and Jesus alone. See, the reality is this. We will suffer as we wait for Jesus. There's no getting around it. But none of our suffering is random or without purpose and hope. Not a moment of our suffering is randomness or without purpose and hope. Unless you look at your life in this microcosm of me. It all becomes about you. Let me finish with these 
four things. So, so what? So what do we do? Now what? Repent, believe, and trust. The gospel in God's view. Number one, I have to repent of all the times I've questioned God or found fault with him in the way that he has dealt with me. God, that wasn't fair. God, I didn't deserve that. God, I'm a good guy. How come I'm getting screwed in this deal? How come that guy over there is prospering and he's cheating on his wife and he's a jerk to his kids and he cheats on his taxes and he, he rips people off and look at the way he's blessed. I question God or found fault with him in the way that he deals with me. I've got to pray that God would humble me to see my grumbling and my complaining as sin. See, the problem is it becomes my friend and I, and I hold on to, to this, this grumbling and I deserve more. You know what I'm talking about? You guys don't have that problem, do you? It's just, I deserve. It's that attitude. Oh, God, forgive me. Number two, believe. Believe with all my heart in God's absolute sovereignty and pray that the Holy Spirit would convict me. I've got to believe with all my heart that God is sovereign and there's nothing that doesn't run through his hands. That he sees all, he knows all, and he allows things to happen. I don't know why, but he does. But I've got to believe that if he's, if he's bigger than me, if he's omniscient, all-knowing, and he allows something, that he's still in control, that he is sovereign over all. Yeah. That includes, that includes a lot of stuff. That includes the funeral that I did for our, our, our friend's baby that was two and a half. That includes divorce. That includes pain and suffering. But God is sovereign and in control. That's right. And that I would trust in that. that I would trust in that. Number three. Believe with all my heart in God's righteousness and goodness. And this is a big one. This is a big one. How could a good God allow this to happen? How can you be good, God, and that to happen in my life? How can you be who you say you are and allow my kids to go through that? God, how can you be this and allow my finances to go there? God, how can you, how can you, how can you? I've got to believe in God's goodness and righteousness. Yep. Okay, it's what I see, taste, and feel. It's what I read. It's what I know about him. It's what I when, I, when I read this word and I digest it and I eat it and I know deep in my soul that God is good and he is righteous and he is just. And all of this will be dealt with and everything will balance out and God will deal with it accordingly. That's right. There is no injustice and no one gets away with anything. God is a good God and God is a righteous God. And you think they're getting away with it. You think you're going to get away with it then you won't because the Bible says you won't and I know that the God that I serve is a righteous God. That's good. And he's good. He's good. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will give me that assurance instead of the doubt. Four. Is that we trust the Holy uh, trust the Holy will of God and stop complaining. <laughs> Just trust the holy will of God. You guys are all complainers. I can see it in your eyes. Just, gosh. 
we just sit and we just complain and I, I sit in my pity parties and, and oh God and oh Jesus and oh and, 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 and you know what's funny I look at my kids and they sit in those pity parties and I get so mad at them and I'm like and then God just puts a mirror in my face and he goes oh really that's you yeah, exactly what do you mean that's exactly okay you're talking about you <laughs> me too okay you too alright I'll go with that Chris thank it's you. a big mirror it's a big mirror it's a big I've got to trust that holy will of God and, and, and stop the complaining and be thankful for what God has given me and be hopeful yeah. and, and know that he is sovereignly moving the parts around yes. and know that this won't last forever, that he's merciful and won't let me sit in this for the rest of my life and that he's gracious and he's good. Come on. Uh, I've got to trust. And so I feel, what I taste, what I see, I've got to trust. And let me tell you, it is difficult. Yep. It is difficult, and it's so easy to complain. So easy to be that guy or girl. See, God's ways are bigger than our ways. He sees beginning to end. And our hope is future tense. Our hope is Jesus. Our hope is out there, it's not here. Our hope is there, not here. My hope isn't in money. My hope isn't in that this, there's 300 people in here. My hope isn't in that, that I live forever. My hope is not in any of those things. That my hope is in Jesus. My hope is in that, that she will love me the rest of my life. My hope is in the Jesus that lives in her, that she'll love me the rest of my life. That's good. My hope is future. I've got to stop rubbing the bottle. I've got to look at my life and go, okay, here it is. Am I living for this or am I living for eternity? Yep. Am I living for eternity? My hope is future. It's in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.